Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Drunken Jaguar. Uh, this is Bentley Brown. Alongside me is Asad. How did I say your last name? Asan. Asan. Wow, you still don't know. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll start over. Three, two. Hello and welcome to the Drunken Jaguar. This is Bentley Brown. Alongside me is Asad Asan. What's up, man? It's good to be back. We have a lot to talk about. It's, yeah. It's been eventful, especially the last few days. We are super excited to be joined in a moment by Jacksonville Jaguars team reporter Ashlyn Sullivan. But before we do that, let's start off with uh, some of the the hot topics from this offseason. I guess uh, our most recent is uh, another beloved Jaguar might be departing us. Um, And I wanted to ask you, I said, how do you deal with all the jerseys you've bought for players that leave this team? You know, it's actually been pretty difficult. I was just thinking a few minutes ago that if, um, which we'll get to in a second, if Leonard Fournette is not a Jaguar anymore, were you talking about Leonard or were we talking about a different beloved Jaguar who is... There's a whole beloved family that's departed. Already gone. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so Fournette, if he's gone, that would be my last jersey of a current player I have, so... I would definitely have to go re-up on jerseys. <laughs> Not good. Foles, gone. Fournette, gone. A-Rob, gone. Bortles, gone. The list goes on. Were you were you able to get a fourth-round pick for the Foles jersey from anyone? Unfortunately not. I didn't get anything. Not even my money back. I didn't even get to wear the damn jersey once. <laughs> <laughs> so classic. I said it's good you're buying these jerseys uh, online from discounted uh, East Asian retailers, because um, <laughs> otherwise you'd be out a lot more money than you already are. Um, at this time, we would like to welcome Ashlyn to the show, hey. who's just joining us. Hey, hey Ashlyn. Hey. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Good. Welcome to the show, Ashlyn. Uh, Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're super happy to have you on here. Um, I've been a fan for a long time. Oh, we'll both yeah, we have, we have some <laughs> weird stories. My, my introduction to Ashlyn Sullivan was listening to podcasts riding a bicycle in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Never uh, heard that, that one before. That is yeah. a new one. <laughs> You're worldwide. You're but worldwide. I, I said, could you give us a brief uh, background on your history with the Jags? Well, I just became a Jaguars fan. There's like literally nothing more to it. I was, I feel like my earliest memory is like when I was like seven or eight, which I'm 26 as of yesterday um happy late birthday thank yeah, you happy very birthday, much man thanks man i'm getting kind of old i know 
But yeah, I just grew up a Jaguars fan. I mean, I was born in the Bay Area and then we moved to Colorado shortly after. And I always just loved the Jaguars. My dad, you know, he's a Broncos fan and my mom obviously didn't care. And everyone's a Broncos fan over here, especially, you know, in Denver. They ride hard for their Broncos. And I've just been a Jaguars fan for life. Hasn't been the greatest ride at times, but always loved them. It's always been a strong connection, very close to my heart. And it's crazy how, you know, close of a connection I have to the Jaguars, you know, living in Denver. So we try to bring a different perspective of things, you know, being Mm -hmm. from here or Bentley being from all over the world. So that's basically it. Yeah. And likewise, I I was born in Dallas uh, to a Dallas Cowboys family and our family moved to Jacksonville. Um, I can't remember exactly when, but I think it was around 94. I was like a little kid. Uh, so right in time for the announcement of the franchise. And, um, I think I, I think I fell in love with the team on the Morton Anderson missed field goal that launched us into the playoffs that first time around. So 96. Very Um, nice. mm -hmm. Different perspective for sure. Definitely. My dad drove, drove me to Altel stadium at the time, I think to welcome the Jags back from either the Buffalo or Denver game. Uh, and there was like a flyover of the stadium and stuff. It was it was very romantic at the time. What a nice dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Priorities. I love that. Priorities. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I met like Mark Brunell and Jimmy Smith as a little little kid. Good guy. Uh, Good guy. And the and the love stays with you forever. So Ashlyn, we wanted to open up with actually a similar question. Um, we know that you work for the Jaguars now, but uh, do you have a do you have a background as a as a Jaguars fan before? Where did you grow up, and and uh, what has it been like joining the Jaguars? Honestly, so I bounced around Florida my entire life with my dad's job. I lived in Tampa, Miami, all over Florida. Um, went to the University of Florida, and it was honestly big time college football growing up. My dad really wasn't much into the NFL because we bounced around so many places. We didn't, really didn't have a family team. Um, but both my parents went to the University of Florida. So we were big time Gator fans growing up. And that's kind of where my love of football started was watching college football with my dad. Um, but then once I started getting into college, I started paying a lot more attention to the NFL and with the Jaguars only being an hour away from Gainesville, that definitely helped. And that was kind of the team I started honing in on. Uh, and right when I graduated school, there was a position for a seasonal broadcasting assistant Honestly, didn't think anything of it. I just applied and really didn't think much of it. Um, and they ended up calling me. And my first year with the Jags, I was wrapping camera cords and holding microphones and doing all these things just to get my foot in the door. And I was just so excited to be there and work in the NFL right out of school. And it was so cool. And now going on my fourth season with them, um, it's an incredible organization, very family oriented. I think that's definitely the thing that stands out with my job is that is your family because you are with them way more than your actual family, your friends at home. Like that is your true family, especially a week like this with draft week. Normally we're used to basically living in the stadium this week. So it's been a kind of weird, a little different being at home, not with the energy of being in the stadium. We have some uh, uh, questions later on about what it's like to work with uh, John Osher and Brian Sexton. <laughs> oh, my guy. <laughs> we'll, we'll save the, we'll save the best for last. Um, <laughs> uh, on that note, can, do you remember, do you have a first memory from working with the Jaguars? Do you remember like the first day at work? What were your feelings like? What were your expectations? I remember, so you have a, a gate code to get into the stadium. And I remember the day I got my gate code and opened up the fence. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Honestly, my <laughs> first my first season was the 2017 season when they made it to the AFC championship game. So 
that was the most incredible year of my life going on that ride with that organization. And the memory that stands out, and I think it will always stand out when I think of my time with the Jaguars is when they came back to Jacksonville after the big win in Pittsburgh. And at that time I wasn't traveling with the team. So I was the only one from the broadcast team at the stadium. And I remember my boss calling and saying, Hey, Ashlyn, they're opening up the stadium to thousands of fans get ready um, because we're landing in about an hour and there's going to be thousands of fans at the stadium. And I remember just standing at the very top of the stadium and watching the gates open with maybe me and like 10 people there because everyone else was on the team plane and watching the fans flood in and the excitement. It was the coolest moment watching it from start to finish when the team walked in that definitely stands out as the coolest moment of 2017. That's crazy. Goosebumps. That gives us yep. goosebumps just thinking it was, about. It was incredible. And I had friends texting up. me saying like, we're coming. Like it was like a matter <laughs> of like 30 minutes. People come from the beaches, Riverside, like everyone was like in their pajamas on the couch and headed to the stadium. Oh no excuses. Oh, that sounds amazing. As you can probably tell, we have a, a major Jaguars uh, fans in exile uh, FOMO. Yes. We do. <laughs> um, I moved to Jacksonville during that time. I've gotten then, that vibe so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we've been, I've been away for a long time and Assad's never lived in Jacksonville. Um, but what is it like for you to travel to away games? What's that weekend look like? I mean, how, how early do you travel? Do you travel on the same, always the same flight as the team? Do you have a routine? Do you need time for yourself? Do you like order in? Do you go like, what's, what's, the, what does it look like? Yeah, honestly, it becomes very routine after you travel because it's now my second going on my third year traveling with the team. It does become very routine where you have, you wake up. So we leave normally around lunchtime on Saturdays and we are on the team plane. So every department has their own section on the plane. Uh, We normally get there wherever we're going around four o'clock. And luckily for the broadcast team, Saturday night is our night off. So normally the broadcast team, even though we spend every waking moment together, we then go out to dinner together on Saturday night, whatever city we're in. Um, normally it's like an Applebee's next to the hotel or something like that. <laughs> we at times try to get adventurous, but at times we're so tired and hungry, like whatever's closest, we'll just eat there. Um, and then game day, it is a very quick turnaround. We normally are back on the team plane within two hours after the game ends. It is get dressed, get going, let's get home because we got a week starting on Monday morning. So. Um, normally we don't get to see a lot of the town we're in just because it is such a quick turnaround, except for, for example, we went to play the Raiders last year in Oakland, we went on Friday and that case, you know, you get a whole day to see the city, but normally it is, it is very quick at times. You don't even know where you are. Um, but the coolest part for me for sure is seeing all the stadiums because I would never have the opportunity to go and see all of these places and tell all these stories. The stadium that stands out to me, it was my very first road trip. 2018, I just gotten on the team plane and we went to Kansas City and Arrowhead Stadium is like something I've never seen in my life. Like people talk about it being loud, like in college football, third down in Arrowhead, like my ears were ringing. It was incredibly loud. And that, that stadium stands out above the rest so far to every stadium I've been in. Okay. I said, you have Uh, experience with Chiefs fans, right? (laughs) They, but they were nice. Like there's some fans that aren't very kind. Chiefs fans, you just, mm-hmm. they're very passionate and loud, but they weren't unkind. Like they definitely like are doing it right there in Kansas City. I'll give them that. They're doing it right away games. That's good to hear. Great franchise too. Uh, yes. Were you at that Denver game? I, I was. I was year? at the Denver game. Yes. Mile high. That was pretty cool as well. That trip in itself was cool. 
Um, and seeing all the Jaguars fans that traveled to Denver for that game definitely yeah, stood there, out. There was a lot. It was it was good to see. Even we were sitting next to like a bunch of Jaguars fans. Mm-hmm. It was nice. It was nice. Um, so do people recognize you like in, in the city over there when you're just walking around doing your thing? At times, Evan? yeah. And honestly, when it when I first like started doing more with the Jags, I, I honestly wasn't used to it. Like I remember the first time someone recognized me, it was at Publix in the cashier. And I was going to say Publix. Always, it's got to be Publix. It's always a public it, story. And like rarely do people like know like my name. Normally it's like, oh, you're the young Jaguars girl. And it's always young Jaguars girl. We joke about it all the time at work. They're like, ah, the young Jaguars girl. And that's what the cashier said. She goes, hey, you're that young Jaguars girl. And I was like, you know me? <laughs> Freaked out. Like definitely didn't handle it well. Called my mom. so cool. <laughs> But yeah, um, I, it's at times. <laughs> yeah, and I'm very curious, um, you know, not to make it too like simplistic or like binarized here or whatever, right? But mm-hmm. like um there there I'm I'm sure people have assumptions uh about female reporters and um there's a lot of stereotypes uh out there and I imagine it could actually be difficult to face that on a day in day out basis. Mm-hmm. Um how do you ground yourself? And then maybe can I also ask who to who do you model after? Like who, um, you know, who has been really helpful and encouraging uh, as you as your career grows now? When back when I was at the University of Florida, I covered Florida Gator football my sophomore through senior year and was one of the lead reporters there. So that's really where I grew my knowledge of football. And Laura Rutledge, who is now with ESPN, one of the main anchors on Get Up. She went to the University of Florida, and at that time, she was with SEC Network. So a lot of the time, she was at the games that I myself was covering. And she, I mean, she's one of the prominent females, but deals with being a prominent female in sports. And she told me, and I'll never forget this, she said, be so knowledgeable that they can never question why you're at the game. And I think that's something that I remember every single day is like that there is no reason for me to be unprepared. I mean, even if it means I have to stay up till 3 a.m., if it means that I know what I'm talking about, like the back of my hand, no one can question whether I'm a girl, boy, alien, cat, mm-hmm. talking about football, be so prepared that even if someone tries you, you know that you're so confident that their opinion doesn't matter. Yeah, that's fantastic. And it also, it, it also helps not reading the fan comments. I've learned that. Just <laughs> yeah, turn I off never the comments. Read. Oh, yeah. Oh, you don't I'm want sure. to hear what they're saying. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, dude. That's that's a Blake Bortles method there. He said he never goes on social media, never no. checks any of that crap. A lot of times it's not good. People just don't yeah. mean to be mean. So I just, yeah, I just don't read the comments anymore. But my mom at times does. And she'll text me and be like, I can't believe they're saying this about me. <laughs> mother, mother, turn off the comments. <laughs> there's there's theories that that other civilizations this is among astrophysicists, have discovered our planet and they thought about making contact until they read our YouTube discussion board. Yeah, and, read it in and comments, they said, and they never said, mind, I'm good. Totally <laughs> worthless. Yeah, there's no point. I believe it. I wanted to ask also about home games. So you're a Jacksonville local and I imagine your schedule is a little bit different when you play at home. But I can also imagine you're not looking to turn around and hop on a flight later. You know, how long is your work day on on home games? What does it look like? How do you prepare yourself uh, mentally and physically? You're out in the sun running around. I see all those Instagram uh, story videos and stuff. So how do you how do you prepare for that? Yes, honestly, and people are always surprised by this. Game days, at least at home, are one of my least busy days because all of the shootings and all the TV shows are over come Sunday morning. Um, So once it's game time, I am on video boards doing interviews and then the Instagram reporting. 
Um, the most difficult being in Jacksonville is the heat for sure. I mean, the opening game last year against Kansas City, I, I honestly didn't think I was going to make it. And <laughs> <laughs> the guys on the bench, I was like, I don't know how you are making it because I am not well. Like that was heat like I have never felt before was that opening day in Kansas City or in Jacksonville when we played Kansas City. And you think after being through training camp for three weeks, like you're prepared. I don't think anyone could have prepared for that game. So that is definitely one of the adversities being in Jacksonville for home games, but also the fans, the fans make it so much more fun and just being at home, like the normal drive going to work. It is nice, especially after you've been on the road, maybe like three games in a row, a home game is like, ah, yes, finally. And sleeping (laughs) in your own bed on Saturday. That's nice too. Bam. That heat yep. thing I know is real because it on the TV real. broadcast, they show like the thermometer about five, six times. Like, Oh, we're up to 96. Oh, we're up Man. to 90. It's like, oh my that game. Yeah. I remember, I remember walking into the tunnel and I remember seeing like our assistant coaches and scouts and stuff like with their heads in freezers, <laughs> like, <laughs> like walking in a half time, like anything that was cool near you, you just had to grab. It was, it was unreal. Now, Ashlyn, have you traveled to London with a team? I have. Yes. Two years in a row have been to London and that uh that was definitely very cool. My first experience there. I had never been overseas before. So to get the opportunity to travel with the team to London and see what a big deal the Jaguars are in London. I mean, everyone warned me, like, oh, like they're basically like the London team. I was like, Yeah, yeah, whatever. We got there and it was like Mickey Mouse was walking around, like yeah. or Beyonce. Like the Jaguars are so huge there and they're so eager to learn about football and the Jaguars in London. It's it's cool to see that there's this following that I had no idea existed. Like they watch all our stuff and they were talking about drive time episodes. What we were talking about is like, you guys listen to this over here. I had no idea. Yeah. That's drive, very cool. Drive time. And then I would listen to senior moments was one of my favorites. Yes. Um, with Brian and, and John. There, there's something. One of the, one of the things that a lot of, you know, got a lot of heat over the past few months um, is the, the second London game that the Jaguars are adding. And, uh, while we are very empathetic to season ticket holders who don't want to see any home games go anywhere, um, I think as Jaguars diaspora, <laughs> we can also understand the plight of other fans elsewhere. And I think, like you mentioned, it's a very, it's a very valid statement that there's a lot of Jaguars fans in the UK. I mean, I remember running into people in the UK with Jaguars paraphernalia on. Um, I've seen games streamed at pubs uh, yep. and stuff. So, so to some extent, there. I mean, we have to also like acknowledge the global uh, audience for the team, the global fandom as well. But I was curious on your personal take as someone who works very closely with the team. When you heard about the second London game, what's your first reactions? What do you? What comes to mind when 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 you hear that news? Honestly, right when we were talking about it being a possibility, I completely understood that it was going to be a heated discussion, and I understood that fans, some of them, were not going to like it. And I understand that some fans were going to see the Jaguar side of it. So I knew when the news was announced that it was going to be a little iffy. We were expecting a, a big day, to say the least. Um, but we have been told, I mean, ever since I started working for the Jaguars, that the Jaguars, they're never going to be the Dallas Cowboys. and They're never going to be the Green Bay Packers or the Patriots. They're going to have to do things a little differently, especially if they want to grow and keep this franchise in Jacksonville. So with the development of lot J and trying to build around the stadium and keep this team here in Jacksonville, they're going to have to make revenue elsewhere, especially 
when we're starting to tear down highways and doing all this building right around the stadium, it almost is the perfect time to now move a second game to London because by the time that contract's up, lot J is complete. And then you have restaurants and bars and shops and this whole establishment around the stadium. I think when fans start seeing, you know, cranes out, the dust up, starting to build, it makes it obvious this team isn't going anywhere because when you're building around the stadium, it says, hey, you know, we're here to stay. So I think I understand it and I understand the frustration, but I think once you start seeing Chad Khan's commitment to building around the stadium, fans can be like, okay, for two years, if it means that we get a great lot J out of this, I think it's worth it. Similar thing I want to hear from Asad in a second here too. Another thing is fans, uh, we've watched a lot of our beloved players depart the team in, in recent weeks. Um, you could even say recent recent years before you joined, um, Asad and I were talking about all the jerseys that he's bought that that he that he can't wear to games now because the players don't play <laughs> None for the of team. Them. None of and them. And I'm sitting None here. The only jersey I have that fits me now is is uh, as a Yannick Ngakwe one. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that too. But um, you you get to know the players. I mean, this is something that I've always been very fascinated with. Um, you you have a, an amazing degree of access to the players. What has it been like to, to see sh- these shifts happen with the team from your perspective? Yeah, honestly, it, at times it, it does stink because you do get attached and you, I mean, you like all your play, the players you cover, but there's some that you just are your favorites. And I was told when I started working here that I'll never cover a guy like Calais Campbell again in my career. And he, I mean, we hosted shows together. He was my go-to guy in the locker room. So I'm not going to lie. Like when, the news broke that he'd be going to the Ravens. I was excited for him because it's an incredible opportunity for him and he deserves it. But I was also kind of sad because I mean, that's my guy every day and being on shows together, he was so great on TV and he really worked at it. I think at the end of his career, you'll see him on TV because he's incredible at it. You also have to remember, and I've been told this so many times that football is a business. And if you don't run it like a business, things aren't good. You're not going to win a football game because this score, especially if you pay all the guys you like, I mean, you got to be able to adjust salaries. And we all know the contract cap negotiations that have been going on with this team. It sadly had to be done. And I mean, it does, it does stink because you have your favorites, but I think always keep in the back of your head, you have to run. Every NFL team has to run it like a business. It does kind of help because then you say, okay, this kind of makes sense at the end of the day. I said, did you have any thoughts? I, well, I agree with what she's saying because, you know, when players don't want to be a Jaguar, you know, what my take is, I'm like, all right, well, you know, bye. That's what I said to Jalen, you know, Jalen Ramsey was my favorite player in a long time, you know, well, since Allen Robinson, but his time didn't last very long. You know, he didn't want to be there. There was some disrespect. And I understand those like fights going on on both ends, but it's like, you don't want to be somewhere and the other team, you know, they're not willing to keep you and you got to say goodbye. Like you have to say goodbye. It's that simple. And that's going to happen with a lot of other players going forward. Yeah, I agree. But I think you also can't always just treat it as, oh, someone doesn't want to be here. That's it. I mean, the bottom line is these players, I mean, are assets to this franchise. And I don't think just because someone's unhappy about a situation, you can just say, okay, well, yeah, like just go ahead and go. I mean, this is, for example, Unique Ngakwe is a huge asset to the organization and a very talented player. And they have plans and wants to keep him in Jacksonville. So I understand where Unique's coming from. But the Jaguars also have to get what they deserve for having Unique Ngakwe. So it's a very sticky situation that I don't think is going to end anytime soon. That's okay, though, because, well, I was going to say that this is kind of what happened with Jalen Ramsey. And then you end up getting what we got for Jalen Ramsey. And you're mm-hmm. like, wow, 
like you held out. The Jags did their job. The Jaguars won that trade. You you can't tell me differently. You know? Absolutely. And if they would have just the day Jalen became upset, said, okay, well, go ahead. That's that's not how it works. So I understand exactly. why fans want to say, you know, just free on, pay on, and the whole pay on movement. If you paid every player as much as every player wanted to make, you would have major, major troubles. Agreed. Also, if you ran data on all the people that were like, oh, pay Jan, pay the man, and then just change their opinion the second the second they read some Yannick tweets, it, it, you would just miss the whole thing. It's insane. They, it's, it's pretty hard <laughs> to keep up with the, the two sides. I yeah. agree. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's why the whole Twitter pay Jan movement, I just kind of keep it at bay. <laughs> it went crazy today, huh? Yes, yeah. it did. Yes, it did. <laughs> All right. So, sticky subject. Uh, next one is um, a beloved player for both me and Asad is Leonard Fournette. Mm-hmm. And um, I, if you're talking about drama in a good way, in like a, you know, like CBS, we know drama, that that kind of way, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Leonard has had character change and development and gone through ups and downs in a way that's been very tangible for fans. Um, And also I think very redeeming to watch. Uh, uh, Everyone would agree that his, this last season he performed um, at a very high level with a high degree of commitment to the team. And that not only did he go from sort of like improving on some previous mistakes, he's actually emerged as a leader uh, for the team. Um, so we're curious in these days when, uh, he was, you know, vouching for Cam Newton to join the Jaguars and people were kind of, you know, picking light at this whole idea of like, no offense to, to Gardner, who the Jaguars have, have put a lot of, um, they've voiced a lot of support for Gardner Minshew in recent days that the idea of Leonard now possibly being traded or maybe leaving the team, um, could, could, could reshuffle things quite a bit. Um, from from the team perspective inside the locker room, from the managerial perspective, um, from the fans' perspective, uh, do you have any thoughts on on uh, Leonard's current situation and what we might see in the future? Yes, Leonard, I in my opinion, I think made major strides this past season. I mean, I think that on the field, but also in the locker room. I mean, Leonard stood there every Thursday when times were tough and spoke to the media, even when he didn't want to. And we went and filmed the documentary with him last offseason. That's when I really got to know Leonard and the family guy he is and what a good friend he is and good teammates. I can't say enough good things about Leonard. And I understand the national perception is that Leonard has character issues and all that. Leonard is a very unique person. He has a very unique personality. He's going to speak his mind. And I think that's kind of where the first take thing came from. I think what he was meaning was that, and what we've been told by Doug Marone and Dave Cobble is, you want quarterback competition. If it's just Gardner, that isn't good. You want probably three guys in training camp competing for the job and making each other better. So to add another guy, a veteran, I don't see a problem with. I mean, if Gardner's the guy, Gardner's going to win that job, regardless of who's here. So I don't see a problem with bringing someone else Mm -hmm. in. I I don't think I had an issue with Leonard saying that. I understand the trade talks and I get all of that, but I think Leonard, especially from, I mean, you look at his yards from scrimmage and the amount of times he touched the ball last year, and his run blocking and everything like that. A lot of things with Leonard go unnoticed because he didn't get the touchdown, you know, stats that he wanted. He had an incredible year last year. I expect him to still be in Jacksonville. If he doesn't, I understand. But I think the national perception and everything on Twitter, I think is it's a little much from inside the building. I don't think it's as dramatic as everyone is making it seem to be. That's good to hear. That's really good to hear for one, because I I loved Leonard coming out of college. And then I kind of was like, I don't know about this guy. And then this year, 
or this last year, I kept telling Bentley, I was like, this, this guy's doing something like off the field. You can just tell he's a different guy. Um, back to the Cam Newton thing. I think the competition aspect is good. You know, having a quarterback in competition, but it might be taking steps backwards because we've seen Cam Newton. He comes with drama, you know, and mm-hmm. this locker room has obviously had a lot of drama and a lot of, a lot of crap going on, you know? So maybe that's one of the things that makes me feel iffy about it, you know? Leonard, I don't think means to be drama, but his personality is one of a kind. He's a very outspoken person. He's going to speak his mind. And Doug Marone and Dave Cobble have really stressed this offseason. They want to add non-drama, high-quality guys. That's why guys like Javon Kinlaw and Derek Brown and all of these guys we're hearing about in the draft stand out because that's definitely something they're looking for. But I think the national perception about Leonard is that he's bad drama. I don't want to say he's bad drama. He is He's funny. He's outgoing. He speaks his mind. At times, does he cross the line? Maybe so. But I think it's more so good drama. And I don't think it is to the point where everyone's thinking like he is a cancer in the locker room. That's that's not the case, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I love I the, um, the Mina Kimes show with ESPN. Mm-hmm. Um, and she hosts it with her dog's name is Lenny. And yeah. every time I first hear it, I'm like, with Lenny, I'm like, oh my God, Leonard, oh shit, no. Oh, but would that be amazing? He would be so funny as like a regular host somewhere. He is incredible on TV and almost one of my favorite segments always is when Leonard is on. When I have an interview with Leonard, I get excited because I know we're probably going to have to edit it a lot because there'll be a lot of things that won't work out, but it is, <laughs> it is, it is always entertaining. Like, you know, you're never going to have a boring conversation. Ashlyn, draft. To not get into too, you know, complicated scenarios. We get tired of some of these mock drafts sometimes. Yes, um, sure, sure do. Jump into <laughs> loops. Yes. In, in the gut of Ashlyn Sullivan, uh, who, what position player do the drag Jaguars draft at picks nine and then 20? I love like the jumping through hoop stuff. Like my most recent mock draft, I had them at nine taking Jerry Judy, Alabama wide receiver. And then I have them at 20 jumping up into the teens to take Javon Kinlaw, because I think you can get him later than nine. But my gut, my gut is that they will kind of hit this in the middle of the fairway and they will play this somewhat safe on both sides. My gut is that they take Javon Kinlaw at nine and they address defensive tackle because stopping the run has to be a priority this off season. You can argue it is the number one priority is stopping the run. So I think at nine, they end up taking Kinlaw. And then I think at 20, you most likely see them staying at 20 and probably taking like a Justin Jefferson out of LSU addressing the wide receiver. I think, I think within the first three picks, you're going to see a defensive tackle a wide receiver and a cornerback order could be shaky, but I think those are the three positions you see addressed the first three picks. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it just depends where, you know, where everyone before goes as well. Like if Akuda somehow in some way, something crazy is going to happen. We all you know? know, because I mean, right. I did so much draft prep last year and I had everything ready. And we all thought we were going to take um, TJ Hawkinson out of Iowa, the tight end. Yep. And Josh Allen slides and it's, and he dropped exactly. There's, there's no way you could have prepared for that. I remember saying, Oh my gosh, I was sitting there and we didn't have a graphic ready for him. We had no draft <laughs> ready. Cause we thought there's no way he slides. There's right. no way he slides. So we all know something crazy is going to happen. That's why I think it's funny when everyone gets so hyped up on the mock draft, because we all know, no one knows. This is like, exactly. we're, we're, we're guessing here. We're, we're just guessing guesses, but things are going like to happen. Like Taylor. Yes, people are going <laughs> to jump up for quarterback. People are going to trade for quarterbacks, and it's all going to get messed up. Ashlyn, on on draft day, are, what's your plans? What are you going to do? Are you going to you going to have a party? 
the self-isolation quarantine party? Are you going to be like on a massive, yeah. massive <laughs> Zoom call with, with 40 people? What does it look like? Yeah, so normally my draft night is really exciting. I normally host the draft party from the stadium, um, which is always a really cool experience. So sadly, that will not be happening this year. Um, we, uh, we will be doing a pre-draft show on our flagship station, CBS 47. Uh, and then after the picks, we go live for about 30 minutes and I will be zooming the pick right after they're picked, right after they talk to Doug and Dave. So that'll be exciting. We get the first word with the pick on Zoom. So you can expect that. But uh, it is going to be totally different. It's, there's no way around it. I'm very interested to see how it goes. And I'm not going to lie. It's a little scary because we are relying so much on technology and if I'm scared, I know that the NFL, I mean, they're working out things right now to, to rely so much on technology to get these picks in. It's it's going to be a fee. There's no way this works out as smoothly as everyone's expecting it to, in my opinion. No, no way. Yeah. Just glad it's going to happen still, though. It's good that there'll be a draft. It'd be great if they called the players on Zoom. And <laughs> you imagine like, and hey, Javon, the hey, hey, Javon, I think you're muted. Hey, can you, can you <laughs> unmute? Unmute. All right, Ashlyn, last year during the preseason, Jaguars didn't score against the Ravens. So I wrote uh, the Ozone and I uh, just, just imagined that if the drive time team, so if John, Brian, and Ashlyn were out there, they, they probably could have managed a score. Um, to which <laughs> to which John responded that for sure, he said, Brian and I couldn't have scored in the fourth quarter. But Ashlyn is said to be accurate from 35 yards in. Do you have any comments on this claim? Wow, the praise. I mean, I always tell them that I played softball in high school and I'm pretty fast and no one's ever seen it. But I'm telling you, <laughs> if it was between John, Brian and I, yeah. I think I would smoke them. And I think everyone would pay attention to Brian and John because they're pretty tall, big guys. Okay. And I would be the sneak attack. I like it. Dark horse. I said, do you have any thoughts on that? Did you play any soccer or anything? You kick some field goals too? Mm, never tried can maybe start practicing and we can see what we got. What was the hockey game where like a, like the, the Zambuni guy came in and played goalie? Do you remember that? Oh yeah. That was crazy. The airs. Yeah. He was like the e-bug. What if football had something like that? An emergency backup player. They just suit him up. <laughs> throw him out there. Me. I think I'd be kind of low on the list. <laughs> there's, a, there's a few staff members that are, are pretty athletic. I think I, I might be at the bottom tier, but if they asked, why not? If anything, it'd be great on social media for me to get in there. It right. sure would. Um, a really quick quiz, Ashlyn. We, this is called uh, John versus Brian. Most likely Love to it. dot, dot, dot. Okay. Okay. Um, so Asad and I, we could, we could sit here and guess, you know, who might, who might, who you might answer with, but I think we'd be pretty off. So what I want you to, what I'll, what I'll do is I'll give you uh, just a few scenarios and I want you to answer John or Brian. Okay. Right? Um, who is the most likely to, between John and uh, John Oger and Brian Sexton, admit that all of their jokes are dad jokes? John, for sure. John makes fun of his jokes, like before he even says it, he'll preface it saying, this is a bad joke, but continue <laughs> to say it. And John's biggest thing is once like someone laughs at his joke and you admit that it's somewhat funny, he will then say the joke 45 times until it is dead. Before <laughs> As I'm sure you know, in every Drive Time episode, he likes to tell me how young I am. He'll say, oh, Ashlyn, back in 1997, this happened. I was like, John, I know, like, I was alive. Like, thanks. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's his, like, joke that has not died yet, but we all want it to die. John versus Brian. You get to the restaurant. Who's the one more likely 
to say, uh, we'll have this appetizer for the table. <laughs> Brian, for sure, Brian. Brian orders the wine. Brian, he knows his restaurants. And I give that man credit. He goes in confident. For example, whenever we go to Houston to play the Texans, we go to Del Frisco's, the Mexican restaurant. And he goes in with a blueprint, ready to go, of what we're drinking, what we're eating, Oregon for dessert, man with a plan. He's got the chart. He's, he's ready to go. Yep. <laughs> John versus Brian. Last one. All right, the Jaguars drive team goes out for a fun afternoon of laser tag. John versus Brian, who's the most likely to take it way too serious and probably injured some 12-year-old? John. John would absolutely <laughs> elbow in the face, most likely, and call it an accident. That man's competitive. We actually did play laser tag once in our team bonding with the broadcast team, and John was like perched up in a corner, like elevated, like <laughs> taking it way too seriously like a sniper. And even though I'm a girl and I'm young, like there was no mercy. If I came around the corner, I was dead. Um, okay. Well, I think that is so I have some history on that. Like great. You asked that question because that actually did happen in real life. And it was John. Okay. We gotta, we gotta work that into the that's episode title somehow. That's, that's cool <laughs> yeah. material. This whole, this whole interview was worth that quote. Thank you, Ashley. <laughs> You're welcome. Awesome. I'm glad we ended with that. Cool. Well, Ashton, thank you so much for your time. It's been a delight. Yeah, thanks, Ashton. Uh, thanks for having me. This was today. fun. Yeah, let me thank know whenever. You. I got a bunch of free time on my hands, as you guys know. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Stay well, thank safe. you. Thank you very All much. All right. See y'all. Take care. See ya. I'm wrapping up. So, hey, what's how how did the talk go? What are your, what are some things on your mind? Right um, now? a lot. That's I mean, that was good good things that we heard about Leonard Fournette. Kind of what we had the feeling of already, right? That he's matured a lot as a player on, on the field and off the field. So that's good to hear it be you know confirmed in a way. So that's good to hear. Um, the Yannick thing, I completely agreed with her when she was talking about you know you have to hold on to these players, you know, and you can't just pay them right away because there's two sides to the story, right? Because we got to keep him because he's an asset and we're going to get what we think we deserve out of him, just like we did with Jalen Ramsey. And it worked out for the best in that situation. So why would we make a move that we don't feel comfortable with when the first time it worked with Jalen, right? So I'm, I'm on the Jaguar side with the Yannick thing. And I think it's a little obnoxious and a little annoying with Yannick. And I might not like him as much anymore. That whole uh, Tony Khan exchange was crazy. It was crazy. What was that like to you? What who was it? How did it? Yeah. How do you remember it? Well, you could tell Tony was trying to take like the professional route, obviously. And Yannick doesn't give a shit. <laughs> He's just saying whatever he needs to say. He's like, you know, stop playing with me. And, you know, a lot of the Twitter people, Jaguars fans are going to take Yannick's side and whatever. Blah, blah, blah. But I think that's mostly because they're mad at the cons for other things. Maybe the London stuff and shit like that, you know. So... There's just a lot of drama going on, which is why I was talking about like can't like Ashton was talking about quarter quarterback competition's good, but I don't think it's good if it's Cam Newton because that's just bringing more drama into your locker room, and we know that like that is confirmed that Cam is drama. There's there's no scenario where Gardner beats out Cam for the job and Cam just like sits there happy and you know moving on with life, right? I mean he's going to be posting things exactly. about how he's coping with a scenario or he can't wait to see things change or if only this had happened or right. whatever. So, I mean, there's a lot to look into, which brings me to one thing is I was listening to a Colin Coward show 
and you know it's a national show so you get a little insight from national media he's he's a big name in national radio and he never talks about the jaguars and i think i texted you about it this week he was talking about how the jaguars are one of the only teams that are like basically in rebuild and they're ready to tank but they don't have a quarterback that they are like you know like a big high name quarterback that they are like secured within their future and he talked about like teams like Arizona and the Giants, you know, they just drafted quarterbacks, but the Jaguars, you know, are sticking it out with Gardner Minshew. And he is predicting that we are one of the teams that really tanks and picks up one of these two quarterbacks next year who are supposed to be guaranteed hits, which is Trevor Lawrence, which we've all heard about and Justin Fields from Ohio state. And I'm a huge Justin Fields fan. He's, he's incredible. There's a, Netflix uh, documentary called QB one where it follows top high school recruits. And a couple years ago, he happened to be one of them and he was on the show and it like follows his home life and his high school life. And he is kind of a cocky asshole, but I loved him. I really loved him. I thought he, he was still mature in a way. He's, he was, just, he's a great quarterback and he talks his shit. I don't know. So there's something about him. I really liked him. And now watching him at Ohio state, he was excellent this last year. So I look forward to it. And Trevor Lawrence, you know, we know what he is. So we could be in in route to get one of those two. Yeah, both those QBs would be awesome. And I think that you're, I think it's very right um, that, that the Jaguars are really setting themselves up for a tank season if there ever was to be one. I mean, like, I think as fans, you you actually don't really want to watch a tanking season. We remember from the Dolphins last year, they still mustered some wins together towards the end, um, despite everyone predicting that they would tank. Uh, Bengals fans, we had a friend on the show in the middle of the year, were, were miserable <laughs> throughout the year. Not a, not a really fun experience to tank like that. Um, but sometimes tanking is what brings about the next, you know, QB of the future type thing. It's right. funny that I think I guess Colin Coward mentioned, um, you know, the Cardinals and the Giants. And these are obvious uh, indications of Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones. Uh, you know, being considered franchise quarterbacks, like future the franchise kind of players. Um, it's it's the we talk about all the time, but how Gardner outperformed both of those players um, in less game. Well, I don't know if Daniel Jones had less games overall, but less games than Kyler Murray starting. He got more wins. Um, I think more or less through for through for more yards, uh, at least yards per game, and then had a had a very professional. <laughs> Touchdown interception ratio. Yeah. Um, oh, definitely. So, so do you do you think Gardner doesn't get the credit for being a potential franchise quarterback that he deserves? No, he he doesn't. He I mean he doesn't. But and why is it? Is it because he was, you know, not very highly recruited? Was it the whole journey? Like from high school to college and then to being well, was he drafted in the sixth Community round? Community college, uh yeah. East Carolina a couple years, uh, was gonna be back up at Alabama. Then performs but, but you gotta high remember level Washington he, State. He was gonna go to Alabama and play there. Instead, he goes to Washington State. He lead, leads the country in passing yards. But then people can go back to the Pac-12 is kind of a joke, you know. Like anyone could lead them in passing and blah blah blah. So that kind of thing too, which is separating like Tua and Justin Herbert in this year's draft. Like people are gonna trust Tua more, even though he was hurt because he played in the SEC and played under Nick Saban. So, um, what do you predict for the season? What do you think? How do you think the Jaguars will fare now with a little bit more updates on what our team might look like and stuff? Yeah. Did we even mention the Mar Marquise Lee getting waved? Woo! I know I mentioned it before, yeah. but well, aren't you sad? That was your guy. 
you know I'm happy. But. Uh, do you have the right person here? Are we talking about marketing? Nah. <laughs> well, I mean, you're always bringing up, oh, Marquise Lee. You always find a way to get Marquise oh, Lee's sure. name out there. Oh, you, like, you, you know me. Stop you, you talking know me about so him. Well. I just can't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go get rid of my four Marquise Lee jerseys. All now. our receivers are gone from 2014, huh? Alan Robinson, Marquise Lee, Alan Hearns, and had a nice thing going. That's crazy. But it looks like um, it looks like we're set to draft a receiver. I mean, most mocks I've been looking at have Jerry Judy, which kind of leads me in this subject. Have you seen Jerry Judy? I mean, you, you know about mm-hmm. him, right? The mm-hmm. receiver oh, from yeah. Alabama. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I got a friend sent me a link of all the wide receivers Wonderlick scores. And it kind of got me, went down the rabbit hole of, you know, seeing all the other players, quarterbacks, and their Wonderlick scores. And what is a Wonderlick? And does it even matter? Do you know what it is? Have you ever yeah, taken uh, like a like, Wonderlick? I've never, never taken it. Is it is it football specific? It's like it's an IQ test. Specific. It's not. Oh, I it, it, it has not. It has nothing to do with football. Oh shoot. Okay. Yeah. Nothing. It's just like, like it's obviously a little harder than this, but it's like two, four, six. What's the next number in the pattern? Right. Like Whoa. stuff like that. Okay. Or like this word means this. What does this word closely resemble? Okay, so like it's that. general IQ. It's general I, I IQ. Watched this, I watched this roast of uh, Shaquille O'Neal today, and they said uh, Shaq's the, the only player whose jersey number, shoe size, and IQ score are all the same. <laughs> <laughs> he took he took it well. He was very respectable. Yeah. So what? How did you? How did you react? How did? I mean, where was uh, Judy coming up versus like you know CD Lamb or someone? Uh, well, CD Lamb scored very low. So basically, the test it's fifty questions in twelve minutes. So, I mean, you have to, you know, you want your brain to work quickly. So I guess that's where it kind of matters to seeing how fast you process things. Stuff like that could matter with the playbook. He scored a nine, which is really bad. Oof. You want to guess what Gardner Minshew scored? It's out of 50. Out of 50? Is it, is it represented? Like, do you, if you do really well, you're really close to 50 or is it kind of weighted? You do kind of middle. Well, it's, 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 it's 50 questions. So it's how, how many you get right. In that in that twelve minutes, I've out seen Gardner's total, but I totally forgot it. I'm going to guess thirty-two, just like Shaq's. He got a four, forty-two. I Whoa! Believe. Wow! Yeah, right? So is it Minshew so or Mensa? Genius! Yeah. <laughs> so he, he's a smart guy. I actually took a mock one because I was just curious. I was like, let's see, like I, I should be like an average smartness. Like I was like, I bet I can score over nine, yeah. right? So I got a twenty-three. Okay. I was at work, so I, like, I got a little less sure. time because I was like doing some stuff too. But I was got a 23. I was like, but some of these are like awfully simple to where like... You can't go below. You got <laughs> certain you, Yeah, I was like, how did you get nine? C.D. Lamb got something really low too. The highest was Michael Pittman Jr., who's a USC wide receiver. And he's being talked about a lot. I don't know. I just wonder if like... Doesn't matter. Do you think it matters? I don't know. How fast did you run your forty? <laughs> Not as fast as Judy, I'm sure. I I would say maybe it matters for quarterbacks more than wide receivers. Yeah, smart quarterbacks have better careers. True. Many of the one hit wonder quarterbacks and many of the underperforming, you know, early first round pick quarterbacks aren't that charismatic. They don't exude a deep knowledge of football when questioned. And I think that makes a big difference for other players of other positions. Uh, I agree with you. I don't think it's the case, but my main argument against that might be that receivers, the same way that quarterbacks with deep intelligence do better in the league, that receivers 
who run their routes uh, and know the playbook and understand game time situations in a dynamic way, I think that's a difference, a uh, diff- uh, uh, deciding factor in who becomes elite. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, so it does matter a little bit, depending on your position, you would say. Well, and I think Judy is supposed to run like amazing routes too, right? So maybe, maybe, maybe yeah. I just like defeated my point. But the idea that at the NFL level, the game is so fast paced. And if you look at these elite QBs with connections to elite receivers, that they have a degree of chemistry and trust that relies on a knowledge of the playbook. And an ability to sort of predict situations and you know run true routes and everything that that that's a deciding factor. It's a difference maker, right? And I just found it very interesting. I was like, because I don't know if any other sport really does anything like this. Like throws out like an IQ test at you basically, and it affects people. For quarterbacks, I know it does. It changes you know GMs and stuff their their thought process going forward. And like Tua got a really low score too. He got like a thirteen. Ooh, wow. So it might just be Alabama guys. I don't know. I mean, Michael Pittman went to USC because then I looked up. So one person I thought I'd look up was Marshawn Lynch because people see him in all kinds of different ways. But he went to Cal Berkeley, which we all know is like a, a very good university, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. he got like a 42 as well. So oh, damn. He did, he did great. That's awesome. Yeah. But you would never guess. Uh, I've heard this debated recently, uh, which is this 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 draft is very deep in wide receivers to the extent that a team like the Jaguars looking to, this is a whole other topic too. Is like, you know, is DD Westbrook not a, a wide receiver too? Like, are we, are we not talking about a, a, a really good um, compliment to DJ Chark and DD Westbrook? Uh, is Chris Conley not at that level? Is Keelan Cole, does he not have the potential to be that strong wide receiver to, you know, dynamic duo to DJ Chark? Are we overrating DJ Chark, right? The idea that Jaguars have to draft a receiver is already, um, I think it's kind of contentious uh, at the cost of other positions that they might need more. Um, but, but looking at the draft as a whole, people say, hey, you know, so deep that, you know what? Jaguars can focus on defensive tackle. They can focus on edge rusher on you know left tackle on linebacker safety cornerback all these positions early on in the draft we need everything basically tight end we need just, we need every you know. position so <laughs> but if they want right. they can show up in the third round and draft a, a really great receiver like a, a easily uh you know a wide receiver two at some point in their career a starter you know receiver in that third mm-hmm. maybe even fourth round because the draft is so deep um i've also had the opinion that despite the depth of this draft at receiver that there's no uh, transcendent players of the level of Calvin Johnson, you know, Megatron, uh, or Julio Jones. Um, I, I, I'm curious on your opinion on that. I wonder if you know Julio Jones. I wonder what his wonder lick was. You know, that kind of that kind of stuff, right? Like, how did Megatron do on that? How did how did early <laughs> Des Bryant do on that? You know, what? So, what do you think about that that idea that that there might not be? There's a deep, deep receiver draft. There might not be that transcendent level of talent yeah i don't know how to, how to feel about that you just never know until they get in the nfl but i think that's one of the reasons a lot of people have judy going to us because one i don't think the jaguars are all in on dj chark being like their number one guy i feel like for some reason i get the feeling they think it was kind of a fluke which i'm honestly i don't know if he's a wide receiver one i think he's really good i have confidence in him but who knows i mean he had a good season but you got to have more than one good season for us to be like all right this guy's elite and he's our number one receiver with judy i think a lot of people get the feeling that he's 
the surefire number one. He's the one he's going to hit no matter what. He's going to, he's going to be elite no matter what. So they're saying if we draft him, we have a number one. We have him and Chark. Westbrook can run in the slot where it's more natural to him, I think. And then you have Conley and Cole and who knows what the hell you do with the rest of them. But, you know, Conley's a little older. So I don't know. Judy, Chark, Westbrook, that seems like a pretty good young trio, you know? Yeah, it's funny. Each year with the Jaguars, we get excited for a receiver and it's, it turns out, well, they don't, they are actually the, the number one starter the next year. Right? I mean, for various reasons, you know, Alan A-Rob goes, like leaves. Um, if you remember last, last season, there were, there were debates in the offseason about Lee coming back as the, the number one starting receiver for the team. Right. Just because of veteran. Ex- what the hell? I mean, that, like the, the season didn't play out remotely like that scenario, you know? <laughs> yeah. Not remotely. Not right? at all. So I, I like the point. Even though DJ Chark had an awesome season. We all love him. Um, does not necessarily mean that he's going to be the, the surefire number one. We right. also had big expectations for Westbrook. Some people say they were disappointed by Westbrook. Others are like, what were you talking about? He's still on like a great curve of improvement. Um, and then Conley performed well, right? And then, uh, you know, Keelan Cole was also one of our hopefuls that he would be elite in 2018 and, and uh, had a slump. So who knows? Who knows how it's going to turn out? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> our receiver situation it's been funny for a while but i i don't wouldn't mind drafting a receiver at nine just because you pick again at 20 i mean you could wait until 20 to get a receiver as well but it might not be your jerry judy and he's supposed to be it so but what do i know i mean i'm not an expert so yeah. well that would be that would be fun to watch i think one of the cool things about the draft this year is that no matter what the Jaguars do at nine and probably 20, that both picks will be really exciting and will be a good addition to the team until they pick like, you know, Taven Bryan Jr. or like Blake Bortles cousin. That's a surprise or something. Then I'll eat my words. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? Well, man, um, thanks so much. I said for being our resident expert as always. Of course, brother. We'd like to thank Ashlyn as well for joining us on today's show. Ashlyn killed it. Oh, it was awesome. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on the Drunken Jaguar this week. Please don't forget to follow us at Junkin Jaguar on Twitter. Um, and we keep to, hope to keep you updated there with future episodes uh, as well as other content. Definitely. We'll be back after the draft, though, for sure. we got to talk about that stuff. I'm at Weld Brown, W-A-L-D-B-R-O-W-N, on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at that youngest said, we'll definitely put our ads in the bio of the podcast episode. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Uh, go Jacks. Oh, my mic hasn't been on the whole time. F- <laughs> <laughs>